Hey, hey, Renee. What? Hey. Mm. It is time to get up. Mm. What? Oh my gosh, that's annoying. <laughs> mm. All right, it's 3.30. Um, almost the time. Almost the crepuscular hour. Mm. Crepuscular. It's a big word. It's 3.30. I'm awake. I'm Tamara Keith. It's B-Side, and it is incredibly early in the morning. And B-Side's Renee Gattel and I are up, sort of, <laughs> to go see what happens in these hours. The hours just before dawn, 4 to 6 a.m. Our show is called The Life Crepuscular. Crepuscular is this word that mostly poets use. I think it's probably a, a biology term, actually. And it's these hours just before dawn and just before dusk when there's actually a lot of activity. Or so they say. <laughs> so uh, Renee and I are hitting the road to find out. Okay. Right. So we've gotten in the car. And where are we going? Well, uh, we're going to a large retailer, a large retailer that happens to be open 24 hours. Um, I know, what the hell. We're going to Walmart. All right. We just got to the parking lot here at the Walmart Supercenter. So you think you could come to Walmart in the middle of the night, not in the middle of the night, 4 a.m., and be inconspicuous, but not so much. Not possible. This place is crawling with employees. Like, every aisle, there's one or two employees. We just found some refuge in the little boy's shoes department. We're hidden. But Wow. Well, I think in the middle of the night is when they restock the shelves and clean up the aisles and sort of do a lot of the upkeep that they can't do during the day when there's so many people here. And I think this must really be the most active time because this is, this is like crunch time. This is the time right before people really start showing up. But there's a lot of people. I mean, there must be like 50 employees in this store right now, at least. At least. At least. And it's actually really vibrant. You know, they're... Everybody seems to be in a really good mood. The lighting is harsh. I mean, the lights are like they are during the day. And there's just different music bumping from every department. Electronics seems to be well represented with hip-hop. It's, it's just... It doesn't feel as early as it feels for you and I. We've heard disco. We've heard John Denver. There's just everything. It's not exactly a concert, but this is the time of night when concerts, late night concerts, let out. Besides Molly Peterson, for the last decade or so, has gone with the same group of friends to Jazz Fest in New Orleans, the New Orleans Jazz and Heritage Festival. At Jazz Fest, they have these late night concerts that, that go until this hour, basically. Molly and her friends go to these late-night shows and that get out at this hour. 
And over time, though, the way they've experienced those shows and the way they experienced this time of day has changed. Jazz Fest in New Orleans is by definition too much. If you go to the fairgrounds during the day and you hear music coming from six stages and five tents all at the same time, you're surrounded by maybe 90,000 of your closest friends, even on a slow day. No matter how well you plan or how fast you walk from one stage to the next, you're going to miss some amazing music. And don't get me started on the food. You can't see or hear or taste it all. My friends and I, though, when we were younger, we tried. So the fairgrounds close at 7 o'clock. The first night show in a club starts at 9. In between, a nap, maybe, or a swim in the hotel pool. All day long, the heat smacks you like a wet towel slapped on your skin. At night, it's like velvet. It's a softer heat. It holds you. It embraces you when you walk out of air conditioning or leave a concert at night. It gives you energy. It's energizing. And at the same time, you're sleepy. Late concerts mean they start after midnight. When my friends and I started doing this nine, ten years ago, we could go out at nine and squeeze in a couple of shows before the last band took the stage at two or three or sometimes four in the morning. Tonight we have the walking tour of Uptown. On your left, Uptown, that's where the Maple Leaf Bar is. It's um, rustic. In my mind, it's all red. The main room has these garish red walls and broken down benches and just a naked light bulb in a fan. I, I was just there the other day. The light bulb's kind of this kind of beer yellow color. I mean, it's the color of a beer. Here's a guy who plays there. He's been part of our late night adventures. I'm Robert Walter, and I live in New Orleans. I moved there about a year ago. There's just a lot of history everywhere you look there and music all over town and the musicians, even guys who are playing kind of modern, I feel like there's some remnants of the tradition that naturally kind of poke through there. That was the, sort of the traditional thing is play till sunrise. The Maple Leaf Bar is my favorite in New Orleans on Oak Street. It's important to me for a lot of reasons, one of which is I, I was a big fan of the pianist James Booker, and he had a weekly gig at, at the Maple Leaf Bar, and when I was like, younger, I, I sort of made a pilgrimage to New Orleans to go to that bar and just see what it was. And really, it's, it's a small place with very little PA system, very simple sort of place, but there's something about the vibe in the room, and the music always sounds good in there. during Jazz Fest, um, usually on a Thursday, which was also a thing because it was kind of for people that were hardcore enough to stay through the week, not just the people who would come on the weekends. That show every year is always kind of a high. Like, I always say that's sort of like my New Year's Eve. You know, there is something, there's something kind of mysterious and romantic about playing at that time of night, and it feels like all the all the rules have been erased because it's past everyone's bedtime. <laughs> There's something about that thing late at night that won't happen earlier. Something mysterious and exciting about that late night thing and it feels like anything could happen. It feels like you're playing hooky a little bit, which I think is appealing. Another thing is you're just trying to stay awake. And a lot of times it, during those Jazz Fest gigs, you've done two or three gigs before you get to the late night gig so everyone's just kind of playing to stay alive through it 
which actually I think makes the music good. You get beyond any sort of nerves or any sort of uh, subconsciousness about anything. You have a bigger desire to keep things interesting and keep the band surprised and keep yourself surprised. So usually a lot of good things happen in that, in that state of mind. That was always the thing. When you see the sun come in the window, it's, uh, it's time to stop. You know, it's weird. The weird thing is when you pack up all your stuff and you're going back home and you see people going to work. Robert Walter on the super heavy organ there. He's right. There's a time to go home. I've never actually seen the last note of a late night show. Daybreak, yeah, but barely. After dawn, a few years ago, we were leaving a concert. There were five of us trudging down the street. We were aiming for the hotel, and that's all we could think about. Everything hurt. Oh, I would actually much prefer it bad than anything. It's open 24 hours, and I can get something there. Oh, man. Yeah, my, and my dogs are barking loud, too. <laughs> when dawn breaks, it breaks some people wide open. <laughs> Molly, I'm hungry. Okay. <laughs> a former DJ I know who worked graveyard once told me 4.15 is the time beyond which normal people staying up become crazy. Crossing that line that night, I learned to stay far, far away from people drinking Red Bull and vodka. Emerald City players gonna get down. Emerald City players gonna make you get down on it. Make you get down on it. Emerald now, more City often than not, I skip the late concert. My friends and I stay up talking instead. All right, before you go to bed, just, just define heaven for me, will you? Just define heaven for me. People get weird and vulnerable in the wee small hours of the morning. You notice that when you're not in a loud club with them. And when you're around the people you love, who you miss, who you never see, you even seek it out. Well, folks, I'm very sorry to report that it's 5.08 a.m., 5.09 a.m., and my alarm is going to go off in three minutes. I like watching the sky get light from a porch in New Orleans. Look, my phone is saying, wake up. We can catch up with the music anytime. I have to leave here and go pack, get on an airplane, sleep, and arrive in San Francisco. I'm a little sad, you know. New Orleans has been good to me. Jazz Fest, excellent. Even after the storm, maybe especially after the storm, Jazz Fest keeps on. And so do our annual reunions. So rest up, kids. Sleep is for the week. That was B-Side's Molly Peterson. And this is B-Side. I'm Tamara Keith. I'm here with Renee Gattel at uh, Super Walmart. And it is 425 in the morning. So uh, could you say your name for us? Bud. Bud? Yeah, call me Bud. Okay, so what, what are you doing here at, at this hour? I came buy some socks, make some shirts. Seriously? Yeah. Do you know what time it is? It's like four, five. And what are you doing up? Did you wake up and you go, my God, it's 4 a.m., I need to go to Walmart? I slept late today, that's why. Like, I was sleeping, you know, kind of long, and, like, I had enough sleep, so I just got up, and they came pick me up, came straight over here. I don't know why I was coming over here, though. But I came here to get some socks, though. So... I mean, are you up at this hour regularly? I mean, do you know, I mean, 
What is life like? I'm usually sleeping at four, between four and six a.m. Quiet. Yeah, it's quiet. Not like daytime. Daytime's kind of loud, but right now it's quiet. Barely any cars. Mm, less people. That's about it. Do you feel active at this time? Do you feel like you function well at this time? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, most of the time. Yeah, but like when you how you wake up, you're still tired sometimes. Yeah, but usually I'll be waking up around like five, four. Yeah, I'll be up. Yeah. And is it to go to work? Hmm. Do you get up this early to go to work or? Nah. Sometimes I just get up for the heck of it. That's it. That's about it. That's it. Cool. Thank you so thank much. You so much. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So he just gets up for the fun of it. Yeah, and all of his friends drag him to Walmart to buy socks. Makes no sense. He was really, like, alert and awake and happy and eager. And Absolutely. Totally on. Besides Rob Sachs found two women who get up this early regularly. They're, they're athletes, and they convene at a place called Mother's Beach in pursuit of an early morning workout. I'm Susan Varga. It is Saturday morning, and I'm about to row. I'm Jill Calvi, and uh, I'm about to row with Susan. <laughs> Saturday morning to some, and Friday night to others. It's pitch dark on Mother's Beach, the home base for the L.A. Rowing Club. The club's long, skinny boat sits on a rack on the shore, pointing out at a floating parking lot of million-dollar yachts. But at this hour, this elite fleet is nothing but big buoys for Jill and Susan, which is precisely how they like it. We always get in our boats and row as early as we, as we possibly can. We love to get out early when the water's still flat and there's not a lot of other boat traffic. Yeah, there's jet skis, boats, all kinds of things, and if we wait another hour or two, we, uh, we usually get most of their water in our boat with us, which makes for a less-than-lovely row. Yeah, less than lovely. How about slightly crazy? I mentioned how dark it was, right? It's pretty hard to see. And in fact, you know, most of us are, when we're rowing, we're going back first. So we're facing away from the direction that we're heading. Um, if we have four or eight people in the boat, there's a coxswain who sits there and faces forward and can steer and tell us where we're going. But it's really hard for the coxswain to see, too, because it's so dark out and the buoys aren't lit and there's other boats floating by and sometimes there's, there's people swimming and occasionally we wake a sea lion up, which is always not a good feeling. You hear this, and then a little splash, and you know, you've just nailed a poor little guy. Okay, so it's a little after five in the morning, and they're less concerned about rousing marine life and just more worried that the rest of their crew shows up. The blackness of the sky is actually starting to fill with subtle hints of oranges and reds. Susan looks at her watch. We're, we're down here expecting three other people to show up, and if one of them doesn't show, we don't row. And they owe us coffee, because it's a real pain to get up this early in the morning and come down here and just go home. Still, Jill and Susan are optimistic. They unlock the wooden ore box and remove two huge 12-foot oars. Together, they walk them over to their boats and wait. Five minutes later, the other two members of the crew and the coxswain, Trinity Lorino, show up. From then on, it's Trinity's show. As coxswain, she's responsible for making sure the four rowers move in unison, both on land and in the water. The team walks the boat out into the bay. 
Once in the water, the crew begins the workout. Starting out this morning with a pick drill. Ready, row. Okay, so it's a lot of rowing mumbo jumbo, but they know what they're saying to each other. Okay, let's go all four with feathers. Let's turn pair, add in, in two. One. crew's been at it for over an hour. One. The sky is now infused with this grayish tint of morning, letting them know that it's almost time to relinquish these waters back to motorized traffic. Their boat glides through the glassy salt water, creating a small wake that gently rocks the marina's sleeping yachts. But inside their craft, the women are fierce, moving with precision and dedication, ignoring the strains on their bodies. Make it the legs. Get that power on the drive. Legs. Legs. What's it like being out on the water and being the only people there rowing? Heaven. It's a little piece of heaven in the big city. What do you do afterwards when the sun comes up, you know, and it's maybe only 7, 8 in the morning and you have your whole day ahead of you? A lot more than you would do if you didn't get up this early in the morning. I tend to get a lot accomplished during the day when you get up this early. So it's, uh, I call rowing my coffee, and it is. It's like the best coffee you could possibly have, and no caffeine, just all good. Well, it may not be caffeinated, but certainly is addicting. These rowers have decades of experience between them, and from the looks of things, they'll be on the water for decades to come. For B-Side Radio, I'm Rob Sachs. All right, we are now outside of Walmart. What? Testing, testing. <laughs> What's your name? <laughs> Concept. Concept, that is yeah. your stage name. Yes. Okay, so you work here. What are your hours? 10 to 7. 10 at night till 7 in the morning. And w why do you work those hours? Because that's what they made me work. I didn't have a choice at the time. So what is it like to be up at this hour? I mean, is there anything special about... For the time between 4 and 6 a.m.? No, nothing. Nothing special. Does it feel any different? I mean, I guess you can see the end. See the end of what? Your shift. <laughs> yeah, you can see that. Now, this is the thing. Now, what happens when you have a beer after work, but it's early in the morning? Now, is that bad? Do you do that sometimes? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess... That's just an occupational hazard of working those hours. Yeah, I guess so, too. <laughs> so, I mean, where can you get a beer at? Any any gas station, any liquor store. Whenever it opens. When is it open, like, in the afternoon? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I have a question. Do people um, who shop at Walmart in the middle of the night, do they have, like, a glazed look in their eye? Do they just, like, look different? I mean, do they, like, seem tired and shuffle through as though they're really tired? Or do they just, like obviously live on a different oh, sleep your schedule. Your eyes are kind of glazed, Well, too. exactly. She's driving <laughs> me out of bed at 3.30 in the morning. I'm like her house guest for the weekend, and she's like, we have to record this at 3 in the morning. So I'm wondering, do most people look like me, like they should totally be asleep and they're never yeah, awake like? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or just getting off work. Just one of the two. Just getting out of bed, still in their pajamas and house shoes, or just getting off work. I'm used to it now, basically. So, like, dates, I'm like a vampire, basically. I'll be up all night, and during the day, I'll be asleep. 
and then be up all night once again. And so, I don't know, it's, it's, it's different. Can you tell when dawn is coming? Yeah, around five in the morning. How can you tell? I got it timed down now for some reason. Five in the morning, the sun start coming up. It gets pink sky, all that. It looks real nice too. You should see it one day, the sun rising. It looks real nice, beautiful sunset, or sunrise, I guess, honestly. So maybe that's, that's, the, that's the plus side. Maybe. I don't know. They give you a dollar extra for working overnight. Yeah, so. That's a plus side, too. I guess. So what kind of beer do you drink at 8 a.m.? Wow, it depends. It depends on my mood. It's either Mickey's, Old English, Budweiser, or sometimes I go with the Hennessy. Yeah, or maybe some Grey Goose. Yeah, so it depends on my mood, what I'm feeling at the time. That's all. You want to drink with me one day? Um, I don't think I'm going to be up this early ever again. <laughs> you sure? You don't want to drink it 8 in the morning with me? <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for talking to us. All right. You too. Have a good day, morning, night, whatever it is right now. Awesome. Thank you so much. So what Constant said after we turned off the microphone is that he thinks most of the people that are in here at this hour are tweakers. Tweakers, definitely. <laughs> uh, for those of you who don't know what a tweaker is, it would be a, uh, a connoisseur of methamphetamine. Somebody who would not be able to sleep if their life depended on it. And actually, Renee, I, I think... I think I'm ready to go back to sleep. What do you think? I'm totally ready to go back to sleep. 